Hi, I'm Ed Smith from Today FM, having a conversation whilst being in conversation. Just listen. Yeah. What do you need? Gavin has a funny story about uh, he ordered a tripod from Amazon and uh, got camera. nice two-day delivery. And uh, I was away when uh, it was going to be delivered. No, no, so that's not no, that's no, not no. a relative. You got it delivered to your girlfriend's student accommodation with your name on it, and they were like, "Nobody by that name lives here," and they sent it back. And now we can't find it. Send it back Can where? You not find it. Have you been in touch with Amazon? No, I've been in touch with. You're so lazy. You're useless. Just all right, girls. Right, come give on me your now. phone. <laughs> uh, it'll be there somewhere. Give me your phone. You want to do it now? Yeah. yeah. No. Put phone. your phone on silent right now. I did. Have no. you? No. Prove it. Last two interviews. This has happened. Okay. Grant. Sorry. Housekeeping. Housekeeping, Ed. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's what it's all about, lads. Professionalism. Even though we're not paid to do this yet. Oh, yeah. He will be. Well, that's the. What's hope. the plan for you then? What's we'll talk about that afterwards. But yeah, you, well, want, you obviously want to get into radio then. Um, yeah, radio and or podcasting, mm. whichever comes first. Oh, I'm thinking it. How it comes? I like. Uh, See, the, like, like a, a bit of everything. Like, you know? yeah, but like people. Well, if people say to me like, "What would you like to be doing? What this like this exact thing, but just getting paid for it?" Yeah, like that's yes. like I I love doing this and talking to different people around the the media. I love hearing industry. all the different stories. People yeah. laugh at us. But like it's actually brilliant to see how everyone comes from a different background mm. and like different things of, you know. Mm. Yeah, like I say, you're the first. Their interest. Say, um, Ed is the first Corkman on the po- podcast. No. Who was that? No. Who? Who drove up? Jerk Henning. Oh, Jerk Henning, yeah. of course. You got Jerk Henning. Yeah. yeah. Sounds. He drove up from Cork just to see us. Yeah. Oh, he's like, I've never met Jerk. I mean, like he also had like like grandchildren or whatever in Dublin, but he came here. Yeah, to yeah, see yeah, us. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and where are you all from then? Waterford. Waterford. Cavan. Cavan. Yeah. And lovely leash. Leash, wow, a nice little spread. Mm. Mm. Eclectic um, mix. Boys and blue. And you're all going to see you in second year, is it? Yeah. yeah. Second Communications. Year. Great. We were uh, bunched up together in first year. Yeah, true, the truths together just yeah. by... Well, it was me and Greg first and then we just did a few of them. Then I came along as well. <sighs> and now you're making podcasts. And now I've... That's, that's the, I've the story of this. Enable them to rise to success. Wow. Okay, I think we'll just start. <laughs> Alright, let's get underway. Let's do Even this. room for your head. Yeah, <laughs> Save it for the podcast. <laughs> right, Gav, bring us in. Radio, welcome back to In Conversations. I'm Gavin, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Colm and Greg. How are we doing, lads? I'm, uh, I'm alright now, yeah. yeah, yeah. Ha- are we happy to be back in Marconi House? Back on, or, I was going to say hallowed turf, but it's not turf. Hallowed grounds, let's say. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love meeting Tony downstairs. and Yeah, Tony no. the doorman. He's, I didn't even know his name. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, he's become big fans of us, I think. Yeah, well, I think he's tolerant <laughs> of us. <laughs> the doorman of Marconi House should, I, I think we didn't mention that, but yeah, we're back in Marconi House for another interview. And today we're being graced by the presence of the lovely Ed Smith. <laughs> Hello, lads. Thanks for having me in my own studio. Thanks, here. <laughs> thanks for, for coming, or letting us come here, I suppose, Ed. Um, the door, thanks yeah. for letting me into your building, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> by the sounds of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'll start as I traditionally do. And what was the initial thought when I uh, actually... The for another successful Instagram DM. Oh no! But it led to an email, which led to yeah. Uh, we joked because the last one, the, one of the last interviews we did was with Graham and Nathan. Oh yeah. And I DM'd Nathan on Instagram, and I actually emailed Graham because I didn't know who, so I said both. But uh, Graham said it was actually a mark of respect that I emailed him and DM'd. Uh, so you went oh yeah you went old school with okay yeah, yeah. but I actually I actually couldn't find an email for yourself initially so I just yeah. went for the Instagram DM no I don't mind I think I got a lot of that with bands mm. sending me their stuff through uh, what do you call it on Instagram DM a DM is a DM a on Instagram message, yeah. yeah so God I'm already aged myself by asking that <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But it can get a little, uh, sometimes you get one that's maybe one in the morning mm. and you're going, bloop, 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 and you go, you check and you go, I'm not listening to that. You know, I, I'm a ten, I tend to be a nine to five business hours, if you yeah. want to, you know, because stuff gets lost. But this didn't. And here we are. And here we are. Yeah, yeah. So what was the initial thought when I asked you to be on the podcast? Well, I suppose it was, you know, it's hard to, I very rarely get asked for interviews. I've done them, obviously. And I remember a few years ago, I've done one or two for like uh, local newspapers down home and whatnot. Uh, and my cousin has a blog. So she asked me to do an interview. And then my friend Joe used to write for the Irish Times doing gaming. And he asked me to give my thoughts because he was stuck. Usually when people are stuck, uh, they might give me a shout. And I'm more than happy. Well, we're, we weren't stuck. No, that's now, fine. Right? I noticed that it was like I was fifth on the list you know, <laughs> in Today FM. I think Tony was ahead of me. Down <laughs> <security>. <laughs> Tony, Tony would have some brilliant stories. I Tony, think, yeah, Tony's signed an NDA. He can't really <laughs> oh, discuss. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you know how uh, Tony and I actually bonded last week? Was um, there was a singer came through the lobby as we waited. Um, we were we were here to interview Phil Cawley, and chauffeur driven. She came through. We couldn't figure out who she was. We didn't know who it was. So I asked Tony, and Tony didn't know. So he told me to go out and ask the chauffeur. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And the that. chauffeur barely knew. The chauffeur was like, <laughs> he didn't know. I don't know. She's a singer or something. It was Maggie Rogers. Oh, yeah. she came in a limo. Yeah, oh, well, not a limo, well, but a, a nice black car. She was driven. Yeah. Car, yeah. She was driven. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that's how we bonded, you know. Yeah, um, but yeah, here I'm. Don't undersell yourself now, Ed. I'm fairly sure I message you and Phil around the same time. It's just Phil's. Well, Phil, Phil's quick, quick off the mark yeah. for a man of his size. He's quicker than I am. <laughs> but I mean, oh. I mean, of reputation. I mean, Greg, you didn't even have to start beef. No, this, I, I didn't. This Greg just, usually no. likes to put throw in some inflammatory comments to kind of. Throw I'll, the I'll, I'll off. take care of that. Yeah, okay. uh, I'm gonna break from the lights. Yeah, okay. I think uh, what it is generally. I just uh, this is a personal answer to a very. Uh, I know you weren't looking for this, but I'm not very good at. Not very good, but I don't tend to talk about myself. Even in with friends or family, okay. I'd, I'd like to listen. And I think, you know, even being a presenter on Today FM, it's a one-way conversation as such. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're talking about the songs. Give a little bit of, when I was on the way getting my hair cut and this, I heard this song. But other than that, so, you know, when you asked me to do the interview, I was like, oh my God, what am I going to say? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I tend to shy away from... I'm good at deflecting questions from myself, so this is going to be an interesting exercise. Well, we've been we've been told by uh, David McCullough that if you don't get the answer to the question, ask it again. And yeah. if you don't get the answer to the question, ask it again. And well, keep no better going. man than David McCullough. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But you um, won't have to ask twice. I'll. Um, no, we'll we'll tease the answers out. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah. sure. But yeah, so let's take you back to the start. So, like we said, you you grew up in in Cork. I grew up. I was born in London, and my parents bought a pub in North Cork uh, around '82. Again, aging myself. But so we moved. I was about six or seven and moved from from London to a very rural part of North Cork. Everyone talks about East Cork being beautiful and then West Cork's being beautiful. I think there's nobody in this room with skull. Is there a North Cork? Well, there is. And I live there. I live there through my formative years uh, from about six, seven up to 17, 18. So the 10 years. Uh, So I grew up there. My father had a pub and I went to school then in Mill Street, my secondary school in Mill Street. Haven't gone to a very uh, small national school. It was wonderful. There's only six in my class. That's how. Wow. Yeah. I th- there was twelve in mine. I thought that Jeez, was that. My, yeah. Well, my whole school there was twenty eight. <laughs> wow. Oh wow. Yeah. That is small. Yeah. There you go. I lived behind the school as well. I used to go home for my lunch. Oh, fantastic. We were always envious of kids that were able to go home for their lunch. But uh, so yeah, so that's where I went to school, and then I left Mill Street in ninety four, 
I was originally going to do law uh, to please my father. Not that he asked me to do law, but I think it would be something that he'd like to tell Call Will? What college? Uh, I was going to do UCC. UCC, okay. And thankfully then we were given a prospectus uh, in coll- in school and I happened to be flicking through the DIT Angel Street course of, or the course they had there and I saw communications and I read the course description. I suppose with the benefit of hindsight you can dramatise this moment, but there was a bolt of lightning and the, stars the crows fled from the trees. Yeah. A child <laughs> started with... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, uh, listen, about the whole law thing. <laughs> so thankfully the CEO had the change of, change of mind form saved many a bacon and destroyed many alive, I'm sure, over the years. So I went to Angel Street then. In what was uh, your parents' re- initial reaction when you said My mother was absolutely delighted. My father was confused. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think she, you know, as many Irish mothers do, very indulgent of her son and... Uh, was happy to see me kind of take a path away from, I think law wouldn't have suited me. I really don't think, as my personality has developed really over the last whatever number of years, I, I wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have gone well. I can say the same. I was doing, uh, at the start of last year, I did two days of economics, politics and law in yeah. DCU yeah. and then switched into communications because I decided after two days that law was not for me. Yeah, I think it takes a very particular yeah uh, personality, gen- genetic makeup, which I don't have. I think I'm a little soft a little cowardly and you have to have absolutely no morals no that's Ed, unfair Ed isn't painting us all with the one brush that's unfair that's say. unfair no no I think they do incredible work but I'm, I'm just so glad that I saw it that day because God knows which way I would have gone you obviously have to need the services of a solicitor too often not yet <laughs> and I think uh, but the, the, the night is young but so then I went to Angel Street and it was you know, really kind of um, you know Mill Street's a wonderful town uh, but a lot of the people in my class are going to UCC you know Cork's a little bit like that. It's, it's you, a lot of people don't stray far. Once the university is there, you're not. Yeah, exactly. Or the RTC then, as it was called, and then the UCC, and then people came up and down every weekend. You know, you hung out with the same crew, and mm-hmm. so I got out, and so seventeen, eighteen. I was seventeen that summer. Started that college in Angel Street, and it was it was like the film Big, you know, <laughs> when Tom Hanks goes to the city. Uh, just didn't. I had to follow people with backpacks to find the college. You know, oh, no Google Maps. Yeah, yeah there we go. This yeah. is even before all of that. So you know, first day looking around, wide-eyed, like does. And uh, did it take you long to adjust? To it the did. City? You know, I think it did. But then again, I, I was, I think, exhilarated by the chance to almost uh, to reinvent myself. You know, mm. that I was blank. I was a blank canvas, and you know, whatever people knew me for or of in Cork in Mill Street in particular, I could start again. Control, alt, delete. Not that I was deleting my past, but it was just like, these people don't know who I am. I can, it sounds very kind of sinister, but I could start again and rebuild a kind of a persona and uh, a personality and a life free from kind of preconceptions or your so-and-so's brother or your, 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 your Michael Smith's son. And no, I was just, I was Ed Smith then, yeah. yeah, and then let's start again and just see where this goes. So, and did you enjoy the course itself and the content? I did. I think I think I went in slightly naive. <laughs> we were going to be making radio on day one and making TV shows, but <laughs> the way this course is structured, then I'm not sure if it's cha- has it changed since we were the first year of the new uh, building opening on Angel Street. So it was in Rathmines before that. So they had all these yeah. brand new facilities. And it was all brand new. And not brand new no more. Yeah. That. So that's how that's how long ago it is. But it was gorgeous, and it was, it was a lot of sense of excitement and newness, and you know, the fresh smell of paint. And but I think I went in. Thankfully, I suppose a little ignorant and a little wide-eyed, 
but I soon realized so much of it is theory based. You know, you're doing a lot of philosophy and Freudian uh, and all of that. And I was kind of at a loss, I think, to wonder, why am I learning about child psychology? And I think that there was a battle within the within the faculty, I'd I'd imagine maybe not overtly, but that there was kind of a few uh, purists and idealists that wanted to create well-rounded, uh, I suppose, highly educated, highly, you know, uh, we were, did a lot of stuff in semantics and, and I was like, ah, oh. but, but the best class then was media analysis. You go in and watch an episode of Coronation Street and I know that this is not, yeah, yeah. Uh, now we're on territory yeah. that we, and every, you can sense the class just sense, just instantly relax and the hands that would normally go up would go up and they'd have things to say. So that was when I think I realized that that's maybe where the course should have gone. And definitely where I'm going to go because and was there anything there. practical at all in the course? Oh no, there was, there was. In fairness, there was. Moved, as you moved through the yeah, yeah, it was fifty-fifty. Yeah. So you know, like they did give you the video cameras, and there was editing suites. Like I learned to edit on quarter inch. Oh yeah. Uh, which was a great discipline, you know. So you'd get sent off to do, uh, and Pro Tools. They'd just gotten Pro Tools in, so you had it all there. Like and some wonderful tutors that are still there. Brian O'Neill, Denise Dunphy. She's I think still there, legend really, and so kind and patient because you know our. You have to understand, mid-90s, 95, 96, you know, the media was still very, you know, there was a couple of channels. There was radio and television, newspapers, so the internet was just kind of emerging, crawling out from the swamp that it's crawled back into since. Yeah, you know, and I remember there was chat rooms and people just go into the computer labs and, who are you talking to? I don't know who he is. (laughs) Oh my God, what are you doing? You know, so it was a great, I think, great way to start and it's great to be there at the beginning of all that because you kind of get a sense of what life was before. Not that I'm, you know, it's great that yeah, younger people like yourself have all these, I think, benefits of of the current media. You know, like everything's so accessible. Of course, so you can sit here with a Zoom, whereas before you'd have to get book a studio and get the mics in, kind of edit it down. Now it's all done in house and in. in Yeah, we're very lucky. In like in DCU alone, I think we have three studios across the campus. We have three Mac labs where we can use all the editing software we need. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we we do have a kind of a wealth of. Yeah, and even a lot of the people in my class, you know, wouldn't have had PCs at home. You know, mm. I'm, I'm trying not to sound like as Angel's ashes where I'm. Did you at home? I had a Counter 64, which oh, I used for uh, for before it was hip. Yeah. Okay. So you'd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you put the cassette in. So, like. What was the dial up like down in? Uh, there was none. Okay. So it's literally the games would come on a cassette <laughs> and you pop them in and you go, oh, in 15 minutes, I'm going to be playing an 8 bit game for nine hours solid. But. You know, so coming to even like learning how to type up a document and all of this was, for, well, for me, you know, some people were a little bit ahead, but that was relatively new to that generation coming in. So, but growing up in Cork, like radio was a big part. My father loved radio, so we, he used to collect antique radios, which I still do to a certain extent if I had any more room in my house. But <laughs> he would have been, so he ran a bar. So I kind of grew up, I, I grew up above my room, my bedroom was above the pub. Okay. So you kind of grew accustomed to, the radio was always on. So I think my first introduction, I was a strange kid that we had an old transistor and an old pair of head earphones that my mother got in the hospital. Only one of them worked, so I'd put one into one ear because the other one was useless. And it was about nine ten. I used to listen to a presenter on Radio 1 called Val Joyce, who is still a massive radio hero of mine. He used to present Late Date, which is still going, but he would have been one of the legendary presenters of that. And his choice of music was so eclectic. So one minute you're hearing, you know, Johnny Mathis. The next is Finbar Fury. 
and you don't know where he's going to go next. And he had a beautiful delivery. Perfect for late night. And I'd just be hooked. And I'd, as a nine, ten year old, be listening to songs by, you know, Joni Mitchell. And only out of necessity, not out of any kind of cultural um, savants. You know, it was just, there was all, it was open to me, you know. So I was very interested. And I remember then we'd have an S, we put onto shortwave. I was able to pick up James Whale on Virgin in England, which had only kicked up then. And there was a fella called Nick something. And he was just outrageous talk radio at, at night time. This is again before all the shock jocks. So my interest, unknown, unbeknownst to myself, and a necessity was piqued. And my father every night then would have the BBC World Service on. And there's a particular piece of music, I don't know if you know, it's called Sailing By, which the World Service uh, play just before they do the, the weather report for the sailors all around the world. So that would be the the sound I'd go to sleep to. And I'm making it sound very romantic. But, and it was in a way... So I think track to your life. Yeah, it, it was, you know, and I think every and it was unconscious to myself that I was so into radio, really, because of course then you'd have Mihal Merhertig or Mihal O'Hare. You know, the matches on Sunday were sacrosanct. Yeah. That was at a certain time, so your your day was dotted. It was Gay Burns opening. That was you're getting ready for school. He's giving out about Gay Burn. Get in the car. My father hate listened to most, hate watched most television, but he would listen to Gay Burn and give out about him, and then that was my. And these are the times when it was on Gay Byrne or Jerry Ryan. Jerry Ryan with an incredible amount of listeners. And it would change. It could had a, it had the power then to change lives or change the country. You know, that these were the glory days in many ways. I'm speaking of RTE now. But then, so I came into that. I was like, I think unbeknownst to myself, I was a massive radio nerd. And it was only well, until I'm I went sure, to I'm sure uh, to a degree being the son of a publican probably shaped your personality and your yeah, character to a degree. Yeah, you know, a very shy child, you know, but I think the radio was, I always remember there was on a radio carry, there was a segment called Dear John. And it was John, and this is, you, I'm open to correction here, and thankfully podcast listeners can't text in <laughs> uh, live because I will be corrected. There was a guy called John Slattery who went on to work for RTE, and worked for Radio Ireland and then to RTE. Uh, he'd do a problem page, it was called Dear John, so he'd have... Dear John, I'm offering get engaged to a young girl locally and blah, 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 blah. And I remember coming out of, of my sitting room, which opened up into the lounge of the pub, and it was five or six very local farmer types or local tradesmen with a pint in their hand, all gathered around the radio with their ear to listen to this problem page of some guy whose love life was gone to tatters or some woman, you know, writing in. And I remember thinking, what, you know, and there's television, there was sport on, but no, no, they were all gathered around. I remember thinking, Jesus, like, that is, it's, it was magical, really. And I think I really appreciated then, looking back more so, that Irish people have a very intimate, and you've heard this many times, I'm sure many people have said this, but Irish people loved, they're nosy by nature. Oh, we're so inquisitive. Yeah, and I think that we, we, we talk a lot about being great talkers, of people speak about us being great speakers, and that's in. And arguably true, we talk a lot of bollocks, really, but <laughs> which is true. We we can say so much without saying anything in particular. But I think the great thing about Irish people is we're so nosy. And look at Liveline. You know, it's I think Liveline's some of the best radio in the country, and people whinge and moan about it, but they're the ones that listen to it most because you're getting an insight. You know, Joe. You go, oh, what's she on about now? What's her story? And that's the the curiosity is fed by radio more so than television, I think. Because you can see in television, room to improve. Or the new, you know, it's also easy and it doesn't have the impact, I think. But if you're listening to, when podcasts have brought that back to a large extent, I think that 
we were just talking about on Matt Cooper's show there, the, the Dear John podcast versus the TV show. And I love the Dear John podcast. I thought it was beautifully put together, su- supremely edited, and the interviews were excellent. And then it's transferred to television. It's, it's lost its magic. So mm. I think radio still has that. You know, it, sorry, I'm, I'm waffling on. But with Spotify, people have thought that's the death of tele- or radio now because people have the, the choice to listen to whatever music they want by whatever artist in whatever order they want and what they were missing and what they were forgetting and what they neglected to realise is that people don't want that people want the element of surprise as much as when I was listening to Val Joyce as a strange eight year old boy was like what is that song where is he going to go next <coughs> oh oh you know and then and even to hear people's names calling you listen to Ronan Collins on Radio 1 people it's a deceptively hard show to do people kind of I think to me, or kind of condescend towards Ronan Collins because he's only 50 minutes and all it seems to be is just like, oh, this is now for Maura who's, you know, married 40 years this year and they're a big fan of Joe Dolan, blah, 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 blah. The connection he has with those listeners is gold and it's very hard to recreate. And I see young presenters coming in thinking that they're just by saying this and that, they don't have that. And that takes years to build. And I think the likes of those old school presenters, you know, it's, it's easy to move on and go for your zany zippy wacky bells and whistles sound effects but if you're not making that connection then the show is lost and people will react to that in their droves and the figures go down and people are going yeah but I had the good guests on and I've had the best music and you go it doesn't matter yeah we've definitely heard that from a lot of guests who have been in TV and radio Mm. that they prefer radio because it's a lot more intimate a lot more personal and like I I touch back to what you said there like if you put on a song on Spotify and you listen to it in your headphones, whereas if you listen to it to radio and it comes on, you're like, oh. Yeah, and yeah. if you hear a name shouted out. Yeah. Or, you know, I think, I never underestimate the power of hearing people to this day hearing a name on the radio. My, um, yeah. A friend of mine back at home who I work with, Oshin, he tunes into Jenny Green every Saturday evening because she comes on just yeah. as he's finished work. And he said that he got uh, the first shout out of the night there on our show there a few weeks ago. And he said he was hopping around the car because he was so excited that, there you that go. his favourite DJ you just said Spotify, his name. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. And I think that people who've left Today FM to go work in television, uh, they'll always speak with a sadness. You know, that kind of, you know, if you look at Matt's show or even my show, I work on my own on Sundays. So I come in and get the show ready during the week, chip away at it. The place is empty. It's just me. And Kellyanne comes in. She's on give her a wave. So just me in there and the place is empty. And me and thousands and thousands of people just... And if you think about it that way, you just... You lose your mind. But I think that's... And when I would tend to do with all the WhatsApps I get in and the, the tweets, I would, I would reply to the majority of them if I can, if I have time, but I'm doing two songs. I'll go text them in or even give them an emoji or a thumbs up. And the amount of people that come back go, I can't believe a station is... Yeah. You know... Because they just think they're talking into the void, but we are here, we are listening, and for them to pe- feel part of something, that's the trick. So and I, I like, diverge. I see for a while there, I thought myself now maybe a bit naively that radio was kind of going out the way. But I was listening to the last words as I was coming home from work there the other day, and Matt was talking about a recent stat that had been rela- released on radio listenership, and I think it's eighty three or eighty four. Eighty three percent, yeah. Eighty three percent of you Irish know, people yeah. still listen daily to the radio, which is insane when you consider. It's amazing, really, and I think that advertisers. We're, we're, again, this is always going to happen with me. We're going to take another route here, but uh, <laughs> I think with advertisers, it's all gone digital. But with the big fear for us is that they're going to go to Facebook, and you know, Google are going to Hoover up the agencies are. Had their heads turned by, I can say this, 
inflated figures by digital platforms going and we've had so many eyes on this article we can guarantee you this so if you have a wrap on a on a, on a web page from you can offer seven up we'll, we'll wrap our page for a week for 15 grand we can guarantee you half a million eyes blah 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 it's all bullshit because and of course any advertiser is going why would I pay Today FM twice as much for half the the one thing about radio is especially a commercial station you have to listen to the ads. You know, it's, it's as Alan Partridge says, they have to listen to me. It's forced into their ears. So if you're listening to the station, now some people might flick off, but the majority do listen. So they're not going to, you know, digital media becomes very like, it's like white noise or it's just visual noise. There's so many things bombarding you. You're not really engaging. In the, and it's been proven since. So hopefully things will, they'll cop on soon enough to go that if you sponsor a show, or you get you pay for a certain uh, package of ads on, on national radio. That it is getting into people's ears and into people's minds more so than if you wrap a web page that people are just so used to now going, uh, it's just another picture of something that doesn't make an impact. Anyway, that's the business side of things. Where we go next? Oh yeah, I'm going to try and sort the whole business out. <laughs> that right probably now. touches back on what Graham and Nathan were saying about the or sorry, it wasn't it was Rob O'Hanlon about the videos and you know like Facebook counts of view even if you just scroll by it. Yeah, and I think that there was some figures came out recently where, you know, when you see a YouTube ad, you have to watch the first, whatever, five, five seconds. seconds yeah. They will count that as eyes on. Yeah. And it's, again, so much of it is because we're bombarded, really, on your phone, on your iPad, you know, that I know the ads on radio are particularly bad, but it just becomes, you, none of it goes in. And I think that, I know radio has had to adapt with our, like our online digital output has to be up to speed now because that's how people engage with so many of our listeners listen to us on their phones or on, you know on their iPads or on their computers and work with the headphones on so which unfortunately isn't counted in the JNLRs oddly enough I'm not sure it is but I think that you have to you have to engage with how people but the fundamentals are still the same that as soon as they do listen that they have to have that connection with what's going on now each show is different and our station's a one-stop shop for all different kinds from Ian all the way to Paul You're, you know Ian's playing a cheer and then Paul well, I can see finishing. just over there there this he is, is yeah side note. there <laughs> he is yeah looking intense and moody <laughs> uh, just give him a galois now it'll be the full package but that's it so yeah I think so I got into Today FM I left college and uh, whilst it was a great couple of years it was by accident really it was a friend of mine was producing Phil Cawley who you spoke to recently Bridget and she said to me, look, they're looking for people to do market research in the evening. So we, what we used to do was literally ring people, cold call people under the name was Irish Media Research. We used to pretend we were. This is how, this is how analog it was. So we'd, we'd have a sheet of paper. We'd ring them. Do you have five minutes? Okay, thank you. Do you have, and some people would, some people wouldn't, of course, because you're ringing it. What's the worst thing anybody ever said to you? I can't say it on a podcast, even <laughs> on a podcast. But rightly so, you know. But then some, a lot of people would go and you go, okay, so can I just spare 10 minutes of your time? And you write down what you think, when did you listen to, what show did you listen to yesterday, this time, that time, blah, 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 blah. And then you'd write it down and you play them clips of songs. Have you heard this too often? Have you heard, not heard it enough? And you write, and you correlate all the, stat, the data at the end of the week and you feed that into our head of music and then our HR managers. That's where I started three evenings a week doing that then I became supervisor of that and then like any you have to show a bit of hustle there's only so many degrees you can have you can have a degree from Oxford in physics and radio and none of it matters unless you're there at the right time <laughs> that's a good course actually yeah, yeah. radio, you, radio you, can, you, can, you can have a coming out your hoop <laughs> you can be the Stephen Hawking's of radio and unless you show a little bit of hustle so at that time 
Radio Ireland was on the up. Like it was a real buzzy place to work. You're talking the times. Uh, Ray Darcy had just started. Dempsey was in. You know, obviously there was Tom Dunn. The evenings you don't. You and you and Dunphy. Ian probably joined here or came here. He, at the same time. It was there a couple of months before I did. And I was very entry level. Obviously, Ian was. A, yeah, had been. Parachuted uh, in as a massive star you, you already. Celebrated your twentieth. Yeah, I didn't get a video though. <laughs> <laughs> Call uh, Ian yeah, Dempsey yeah, out yeah. now. He's right there. I was asked <laughs> to contribute to his video, but I didn't get one in return. But I uh, know I'm only joking. But uh, so like Ian was brought in. So it was a very exciting time in radio because today FM was seen as the kind of upstart against RTE because we were like, oh, God forgive me for saying it, but like we were the punk. We were kind of like the you know, irritating, rebellious voice as opposed to you know RTE was very staid at the time. If you think about the jocks that they had, like, Ryan. Ryan's mon- it was a monstrous show. It was huge. There was no point trying to compete with that. You know, you got Morning Iron at, at the time as well. And across the day, Gareth O'Callaghan in the afternoon. But it was still still a little bit smashy-nicey. You know, so then when, when Today FM tried first originally under Radio Ireland, it was trying to do things differently. They made a massive mistake. They just rebranded, rebuilt it. And with time, and just by picking the right presenters at the right time, Ray Darcy really, I think, at that time, changed what mid-morning radio was. He was the lad next door. You know, and he opened up texts coming in, reading out people's texts, making them part of the show. And he was massive. You don't, I think it's hard to, hard to convey how huge the Darcy show was in its pomp. You know, anywhere I'd go, I was working on it briefly and I got pints bought for me. Like he was a proper radio superstar and it, it built the station. And Ian, of course, was a huge success as well. So between the two of them, once you get your morning and your mid morning right, and then you don't feed in early days Dunphy was you know he still wasn't up near where drive time was but he was the only one everyone was talking about he didn't give, didn't give a fuck he was Dunphy you know he used to smoke in the studio just put his fags out <laughs> on the ground and I was a young lad coming in going and his team they might as well have worn leather jackets and, 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 and driven motorcycles they all had that snarl yeah. they all had that fuck you attitude yeah they, they were they were but that came through the speakers, you know what I mean? They had that attitude, they had that fuck you attitude with politicians and with management and with staff and they were just like, when they came in, you kind of like the, it's like the, the, the Lord of the Rings, when they get close to you, you just kind of get a, but they were scary, but they were brilliant, you know, like Stephen Price, brilliant producer and then Dunphy, obviously then things didn't work out in that regard, but, but today FM at the time really changed the radio landscape, you know, and we hoovered up listeners from because people were just like, oh, there is another way this is much fresher. You know, it's it's much more different. We're not, we're and, not confined anymore. You know what I mean? There is no, like, and it was just, it, got, it escalated to a crazy place. You know, like, we were making money hand over fist. Advertisers were flocking to us, you know, pulling in, I won't say much, but like, just from a lot of money coming in and sponsorship deals coming in. So, and the place was young. A lot of the people that I'm, one of the only few originals left, but for the majority of people, average mid-20s, late-20s, young bucks and young people just coming in trying to make a go of it and you were allowed to allowed to take chances and management were very you know I think the the impression I have of RT I've never worked out there but you know you have to go through the kind of go through the channels slightly strangulated but you might come up with an idea and go we'll be chance yeah go on you know and even our advertising and our marketing was quite on the nose a little bit out there but it, it really reflected the who the station was at the time. So it was very exciting to be in that, even at a very entry level point of view that just, and then people were going out after work and we'd be in Kylie's across the road from work two, three nights a week, 
absolute uh, carnage Fergus yeah. telling us a great thing about, uh, about um, the late and great Tony Fenton how he'd bring the, the gang up for a shot of tequila on the yeah to, like Tony yeah, yeah Tony bro, Tony like lives as uh, Mario said a very close friend of his and I sat beside Tony for seven years you know so I, I, I think about him when I pay particular songs but Tony was one of the most magic magically charismatic individuals you know that he just any room he walked into there was an added sparkle that you know we have filters now on Instagram that you can you can swipe across and make everything look but Tony was a human filter <laughs> you know he'd walk in any drab scenario Tony would walk in dude brighten up the room let's get out of here and he'd go <laughs> where the fuck is this going to end up <laughs> and he'd oh, say to his like <laughs> yeah, you know he'd go dude get the gum shield I was like, oh no, <laughs> what is going to happen? You know, but he's, he's joie de vivre, for want of a better phrase, love of life, and people just loved him. Adored him. Loved him. And Tony was of the old school, but it was great to still have Tony, you know, kind of, he was that classic, he, the, the voice, the voice for God, really, you know, he, he was the voice, you know, but he was much more to him than that, a very smart man, and he just loved, and then when he got sick, his inability then to broadcast, I think, was what really broke him. You know, I think what really broke his heart is he just, he would come in when he shouldn't have been here. He just wanted to be behind the mic. He just loved making that connection with the punters. Uh, so I'm going to tear up now thinking about him. But he was just one of those magical individuals that just got it, you know. And deceptively again, you'd see, you'd listen to the show and he goes, well, all he's doing is that was, this is, and reading out a few, no, no. Now, there was much more to that and you can't you can't recreate that in a lab but you can't recreate that by reading books or whatever you know he just lived a life in a certain way and that came through the speakers and he lived like he was in a Carlsberg app or something because <laughs> you never and he might just walk out of here and you just see a helicopter leaving oh, that's probably Tony <laughs> one of the cores offering him a bottle of champagne and he's going to go to a Grand Prix in Monaco or something you know, how was your weekend I was like well I painted my bathroom and, <laughs> you know went for a couple of cans of Dutch gold in the park and, dude yeah I was out with Eddie Jordan oh Bono was there what a madman you're going oh Tony stop <laughs> but you know so uh, to digress again but anyway Tony was absolute magic but so we had you know I think any radio station it's like kind of like a Spice Girls thing everyone has their own favourite you know everyone brings their own flavour too you know 2FM have the benefit of being a youth station Radio 1 or for the older, you know, more serious current affairs. But we have to kind of straddle both in one station. And I think it's been to our benefit because you're a one-stop shop. You know, you get your last word, you get your... And then Louise comes on afterwards or whoever comes on. And she's kind of in between the daytime schedule and Paul and then that kind of dovetails nicely into McLoon, whose musical knowledge... Uh, is beyond NASA's capability of computing, really, and his love of music, and he's got a great voice and a great delivery, and again, to sound like an absolute bore, his lovely connection with the listener. So it's not easy. You know, people think, I think, that, you know, my own little show, I learned that I was given the show, uh, it was called Ed's Indie Disco on a Saturday. My boss, the chief executive, was unhappy as to my, I was working on a few shows, but he wanted more out of me. And I was like, oh, you know, what more do you want from me? And it, he said, well, come in to me on Friday with an idea. I was like, oh, God, what the hell? And this was on Wednesday, I think. So I was talking to my girlfriend at the time. And I was like, so I don't know what I want to say. Well, I just offered to write scripts for the ads or I'm good at writing. And then I went in and he says, well, what have you got for me? And I just went, uh, I'd like my own show. He goes, okay. <laughs> and I went, what? And he says, okay, yeah, yeah. We'll, 
we'll speak to Brian and come up with a name. We kept that up in a couple of weeks. And I walked out going, shit. <laughs> I could have asked for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, be careful what you wish for. But, you know, without that, that's my... Oh, it was mine actually. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I've got my vape here. Sorry, I'm cool. <laughs> but it stop vaping. Yeah, yeah. The interview. Stop Come vaping. On. Yeah. What flavor? Just out of interest. Uh, menthol. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you do you like like I don't know. I don't know. I I I, I, I was I smoked menthol for years, so it's it's. I just love the fresh feeling it leaves. It's like you've eaten the forest in Alaska, <laughs> which is my jam. But uh, no, I do. You yeah. do an ad. <laughs> but yeah, so that was how we started. So the, the show, yeah. So the show they gave just gave, out of the blue gave me a show. So then it was absolutely daunting and frightening. But it was at ten o'clock on Saturday, and I thought, oh, shit, there's no one listening. But they are, they are listening. <laughs> but apart from being air checked by bosses at the time, <laughs> it's the listeners that'll air check you quicker and more brutally. Uh, which is one of the great things about the interactiveness of radio now that whereas before you said to write a letter and then take you see the abuse coming in live and so that was hard but that was good because I was you have to have a tough skin you know and it can't take it personally so and it keeps you on your toes yeah you know I think I'd, I would have had a slight speech impediment when I was younger very conscious of it so I suppose it would kind of with the nerves and I would kind of a little bit and people picked up on that and I got very defensive and which is not the right they don't know who you are you know so I think I learned a lot from you've got to you've got to take in as much as you can and as is healthy of the complaints as you do about the praise you know because you can get very myopic and one-eyed about oh everyone loves the show bye and just close the door and leave and not think about it and someone might come in and go oh you're always playing that Smith song and you go fuck I do like there is a light in there was there. <laughs> so you just take it on board but then you just you, if your instincts are strong enough and you're strong enough as a person you can go that's just abuse for the sake of it that's come, that's just they made a right point and then the rest of the praise is lovely but you have to you've got to take the sweet with sour so when did um, Ed's Indie Disco become well song? sorry I'll just bring it back how big a, a tool has social media become for modern day radio, massive. I think. Well, well. When I obviously when I first came into it, it was just texting. You know, obviously there was no Twitter or Facebook at that time. It came in quite late. But I think for me, for my own personal uh, experience with Ed's Indie Disco, then that was moved to Sundays, and I was moved earlier on Sundays. Then I rely on it very heavily because I, I want them to feel. The vibe I'm going for my show is like it's I'm, as a devout atheist. I set it up as Ed Songs of Praise as a kind of a church that everyone's welcome, and I want them to feel this sounds very wanky now, but <laughs> they're they for me to get it over the line. I don't have any brand. I don't have any marketing budget. I don't have any. I'm a small fish, tiny fish, you know. So I, I can't bark that loud. So I do a promo, obviously. Fish don't bark. Ed. Fish I'm don't bark. Fact check you on that one. I think okay. you find catfish. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a dogfish somewhere. <laughs> And uh, so I have to rely, I have to go door to door, essentially, on social media. So, like I say, I'll put up a tweet going, this th- this week's theme is, I don't know, I did one recently on first dances at a wedding. It was around Valentine's. Irish people love weddings. Jesus Christ almighty. It's an, it's an unending mine of interest. Uh, so you can tap into it as, whenever you want. So I said, listen, what was your first dance at the wedding? And I'll do three hours of your first. I, I was going to do an hour, and then just put a tweet out. Let me know what yours was. Boom, it went, went bananas. So I got the full three hours out of it. 
So they have given me my show, essentially. So I'm very reliant. So, I mean, some of the songs I wouldn't even have thought of in a million years. I mean, that's absolutely beautiful. Like, So I have to be respectful to them. And I always get back to them and go, thanks a million, even a thumb up or anything, because they are as much, if not part of the show. Someone, <laughs> Radio 1 presenter, who I'm actually friendly with, and has put up another tweet about going, oh, this week we're going to do songs about cars, whatever. And there was loads of reactions. Oh, driving in my car, Gary Newman. And oh, what about this one? What about this one? And I was like, this is great. And someone still, she's Radio 1 presenter. She goes, did you ever do your own fucking research? And I was like, oh, I've been snared. No, she was, she was saying it as a joke, but she obviously curates her own show. And she put, you know, but I do have the show in place. But again, to go back, it's just, it suits me and it suits them. Because some of the stuff that they suggest, whatever you think you know about music. You don't know more than, well, in my case, 20,000 music fans collectively. Imagine going up against that in a pub quiz. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're going to win every hands down. So you have to defer to their greater knowledge within reason. Some of the stuff you get asked to play is like, would you not? <laughs> no. But then you're trying to be kind about it, but you give the shout out. Can you elaborate on play. any of those? Well, you know, <laughs> you still get requests for George Ezra, for example. <laughs> or, you know, so Ezra's a bone of contention love you fella and all these years but for me because I hear enough of it during the day that like this is the one place not the one place because Paul does it as well but that's, that's like you, you have a chance to ask for anything just don't ask for anything you know so some of the stuff that comes in you don't know have they heard the show before that they just want to have a shout out so you're always going to get those but the majority of them are very knowledgeable so I do rely on social media to answer your question in a very roundabout way a lot what's so, your favourite platform? I do like Twitter now okay. yeah I like Twitter I think Instagram, to me, what, far from the direct messages, <laughs> I, I find it a very, how it is, asinine, slightly sterile and contrived platform whereby there's the no sense. Of yeah. You know, it's yeah. not, it's not, you know, where, no, nor is Twitter life, nor is Facebook life, nor is radio life, but Instagram. I, I don't want to live in that world. And that's not, you know, and I think that with Twitter, it's for all its you lift a rock, it brings out the best and worst in people. And I think it's the most representative of who we are as people. And I think that I think one of our uh, we asked this question quite recently, I can't remember who it was, but they just kind of said Twitter is more real. Yeah. You know, mm. um, there's you have your filters on Instagram, you have your filters on Facebook. It's yeah, and I think perception you, you want to give. You're not going to get too much edgy stuff on, and maybe I'm following the wrong accounts, but it's all, you know, this is a kind of very kind of censored doctored view of what my life is and, and good good luck on them I'm delighted you bought brunch those eggs look lovely <laughs> uh, I think to describe Instagram it's answering questions that nobody's asked whereas with Twitter asks you questions that you don't want to answer and I think that with Instagram or with Twitter it's, it's, it's uncomfortable and it is a cesspit of vile misogynistic homophobic uh, dogs but and on, on the other side it is a real cradle of human kindness and decency and I think you can instantly engage with somebody so again, again to go back to my own show because I can't speak for the shows but for my own show again I'll put the tweet out around 6 here's what we're doing this week so last week was 70s, 80s and 90s and I go brilliant that's a great choice and they go oh my god you got back to me and then they get involved. And you know that you've just by that one little 
God, I'm not handing out bread to the fucking homeless or anything, but just by by engaging with them, you you know, one by one, they're going to tune in. And I think that engagement and that is important. And I think social media has opened up that opportunity for punters to have access. Because it was a time when they all sat on clouds and gay burns the jerry ryan's and the pedestal they're untouchable you know yeah. and darcy brought that back down to earth you know what i mean he was a normal lad from kildare and obviously he was on the den and whatnot but he was never he didn't have a particularly mid-atlantic voice or he wasn't that big booming he was just one you know he spoke about everyday stuff and he, he brought it back down to earth people could relate to it and that's where the engagement went through the roof and i think that you've got to keep that you've got to keep that connection going again back to the c word but I do find social media, for me anyway, is massively important. I would miss them. To the point where if I'm not live, and much to my boss's irritation, I tell them on the show if it's pre-recorded because I feel out of respect for how much they are involved in what we get together each and every Sunday. That for them to be firing messages in at me any chance and for me not to reply or to not engage or to not acknowledge them I think it's disrespectful. So I'd always say, lads, and give you the week off. I'm not live. I haven't been pulled up on it recently. But I'm going to keep going as long as I can because I just think people would prefer to know. Yeah. It goes counter. It goes counter to every rule book, you know, pre recorded shows. But I think if you, I, I, until I'm told again to stop, <laughs> I'll, I will for a while. Stops on the wrist you have yeah, to I've, I've gotten two, but okay. he's gone now. Ah, well, that's ah, so it's, 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 it's I'm like back to yeah, yeah exactly. It's like getting points on your license <laughs> after three two years. after two years. Yeah, don't, is it three? Is it three? Shit, three, yeah. I have another year. Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting some money. Oh. Yeah, I'm up to six. My mom You're not supposed to say that, Craig. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, do you have a particular standout show or moment from when you were doing Ed Songs of Praise? I've had a few. Uh, I, I tend to rely on themes a lot because it's a nice little hook to hang your show on. Of course, yeah, and. I got a message recently from a woman. And what was I doing? I was doing cover versions. I, I love cover versions. So they, they always react. They always have an opinion on cover versions. Or, and whatever show I did, she sent me a message to say, it was a long email that came in on the screen. And I was like, oh, I'll get to that in a second. And she said, I had, I just wanted to say, and I was like, oh, God. You know, you're, That's you're, never a good start. It's like, <laughs> can I just say or something? I was like, oh, no. I don't have a question. It's more uh, a yeah, yeah. long point. Yeah. Hi. And it was like, it was a little curt start. And I was like, oh no, long diatribe here. But what, what happened was she had been admitted to a mental, or a psychiatric, um, a psychiatric hospital with severe depression, suicidal thoughts and severe anxiety. And she'd been in for a couple of months and she had said that, listen to me every Sunday. Whatever had happened on a Sunday, whenever my show came on, they were either let have some free time or whatever. So she she was allowed to have a radio and she would put on the show. And she said, oh, you know, in particular that cover version show and I did you pay for a couple of my favours. I want to I say that really and truly it was like a little light at the end of my week that, and you're going, Jesus Christ almighty. And I remember getting a little emotional and I suppose you had to sit back and you go, God, I'm just, you forget. And I suppose you forget what, what it means to people again I'm, I don't want to overstate it either for the majority of people it's it's audio wallpaper don't I, I'm not 
for one second saying that I may play a, mag- a major part in everyone's life. Everyone stops and they gather around the radio and they're scratching their chins going, I wonder what song he's going to play next. But no, but sometimes, sometimes even a broken clock, you know, and, I th- that, and I've had one or two of those now where people go, I want to say, I lost my wife. And I had a guy recently who'd lost his wife recently and I played her favourite song unwittingly. And he, said, and he left a voice note. Jesus, lads, he left a voice note in floods of tears. And he was like, that was Marion's favourite song. And I haven't been able to hear it since she died. And I heard it today. And I just want to say, thank you so much. And I was like, fuck, I'm going to work up now. But you go, and just for that four or five minutes of that Roxy Music song, whatever it was, Jesus, you know, there is a man bent and broken with grief. And just for those four and a half minutes, just through the radio, sitting there in his kitchen, wherever he was in the car, just thinking of his wife and smiling and brought sadness and the happiness. That's it. And you know, television doesn't give you that. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. And I don't think... It's, it's, you're, you're in people's homes. You're, yeah. You know, you're the backdrop. Well, physically. Yeah, yeah, you're in the you kitchen. Know. You're in the bedrooms. You know, yeah. in a physical sense, you're a lot more important. You're in their cars, for Christ's sake. So, I mean, you're literally in... In, within arm's reach. Yeah. Within, you know, it was a television... People develop a connection like that. They say, routine yeah. as much as anything... I tune in at eight o'clock yeah. on the Sunday yeah. and I listen to Ed, you know. So it's become a little ritualistic and, and in a satanic way, hopefully. But, you know, I do kind of play up in the, the church element of, you know, whenever I go up and listen to it, hopefully, which is more often than not, I'll say, oh, my, my, our parish has grown by another couple of thousand. There's plenty of room down the back, blah, blah, blah. But I want it to be that. Like, communion? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. That, that'll be the next one if I do go. But it's a communal, it's a community. So that's what I'm trying to kind of... Uh, engender and promote because I don't have anything else like I don't have competitions I don't have big I, I, I don't have interviews I don't have sessions I don't have promotions I don't have a sponsor all I have is me and the listener so I've got to maximise that and WhatsApp has been we only got WhatsApp late to the game 98 in Spain had it for a couple of years before we did and of course there was teething problems and people go but WhatsApp has up the game as regards the interactiveness of the shows because first of all people don't realise that you can see their name <laughs> you know so don't underestimate the stupidity of a troll either you know you go I didn't have fucking shite you go mm-hmm. how are you Jim uh, how are things in Cork because they'll have entered a competition that day in Renshaw they go who's winning so that's a lovely way to interact with people as well on WhatsApp. I'll always reply if I can to as many WhatsApps that I come in as possible. And the voice note, whereas before it was very hard to get someone's request, you have to ring, record it, or get them up on the phone line, do it live. Whereas now they can just hold the phone down, the button, the microphone button down. And I'd love to get as many of those as I. I don't get many on my own show, but when I was covering for Louise for six months, on a Friday, people just go, any chance, Ed, I'm, you know, I'm just finishing work, hitting the town, the lads. Any chance of, you know, Darude Sandstorm, you go, ah. you go, play it out. And that is free. It's free. We don't pay for WhatsApp. Message, it doesn't cost us anything for them to do that and for me to put it out. And that's invaluable for people to hear someone else's voice going, oh, I'm hidden, you know, some hay night and draw it tonight. Out with the girls, got a bottle of champagne, we're in the back of the van. Any chance, back of the van, back of a limo. <laughs> Uh, I don't know the back of the van. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, that's after, maybe that's afterwards. But... You know, that kind of, you know, WhatsApp and, and and Twitter, to a lesser extent, Facebook. We don't use Facebook Live as much. Our digital team do, obviously, for promotions and putting posts up. It's all to drive people to the website so they can listen to the station. To build, you know. But the WhatsApp and Twitter, for me, is invaluable. Text, 
has because WhatsApp's gone up now. If you still get the texts, you can always tell the people that text and are that bit older as well, because it's always the younger people that use the WhatsApp. That's okay. a very wide sweeping uh, statement, but I do find the WhatsApp has been a, a godsend to me to be able that interaction is up to notch. And they do go, oh my god, I can't believe you got back. And it's like, yeah, it's grand. How are we getting on? I'll try and get it onto you for a minute. And they go, thanks a million. Or else I'll just lie and say I don't have it. Because <laughs> usually it's shit. But that's to, again, go back to your question of four days ago. Social, The social networks in that regard have been a massive boon to us in radio. That I think there was an initial suspicion. Because radio can be quite slow to react. But once it's used properly and use the benefit of the content of the show and as a presenter then very effective yeah huge yeah yeah and you can there's loads of ways of doing it you know and again I'm I'm very straightforward what would you like to hear would you like to hear this and they go any chance of Beach Boys I go absolutely just one word and they go oh my god thanks a million and you play the Beach Boys it's not rocket science I know you've probably heard that many times before as well but well it's not rocket science it's not as straightforward or as, as obviously easy as maybe people say. Um, let's talk a little bit about your musical tastes, if we can. Mm. And now I'm probably not the most qualified out of the three of us to Tom ask you, Oasis, given sorry, that, uh, given... I was going to give you a compliment, but... <laughs> I was going to... Right, given that Gav, Gav and Greg as well are more into indie music than mm. myself, but who are some of your favourite artists from down the years? I think... Exclusive here now. I've I've tended towards I've I've tended as as I've gotten older I've never liked music as much as I did when I was about fifteen or sixteen. That in it's almost that pubescent again a bit philosophical here, but that pubescent time from twelve to fifteen, wherever you're you're just finding yourself. Twenty for Gavin. Twenty, any day now they're gonna drop. Him, but don't worry. About <laughs> and when you do, you'll, you'll have a voice like Tony Fenton. Yeah, but I think that intensity of you know, that the feelings you have for girls and or boys or whatever that that everything is so fuck I can't get all I can't feel any more than I'm feeling right now, that intensity wanes as time goes on. You know, you, you resonate with it a lot. Yeah, you know, I remember hearing in the back of my father's Opel Cadet when he ran into the shop in Mill Street Square, and Larry Golden played "Smells Like Teen Spirit" by Nirvana. It was ninety one. And it was like that tracking shot in Jaws, the famous tracking shot on Schneider where Spielberg zooms in and pulls out at the same time. I was like, ah, what's happening? Like, ah, what is this noise? I'm changing. <laughs> so I turned, my musical werewolf moment happened and I was like, oh God, okay, yeah. So it's, you're kind of chasing the dragon from those days. I was big into The Cure then and Nirvana obviously and Pearl Jam and all the, all the but then R.E.M. entered my life. And I went through, I think, the the IRS years like a, a tornado I, to the point where my sister would cry. She, I, I played the Green Album so often. She burst into tears one day because she, I wouldn't stop playing it. <laughs> so she said, please, I beg you, I beg you, please. I was like, oh, just one more time. So and I think that intensity of for R.E.M. and Radiohead then with the next ones, all your obvious ones, you know, but I grew up in a house of country music and... Uh, no proper country music. So, as I've gotten older, I've drifted back to bluegrass a bit. I love Dolly Parton. I love you know your George Jones, your Leuven Brothers going back to you know. So I've kind of tended back to my roots, as it were. You know, I I've whilst I find it hard to get into there's so many so much new music, it's hard to build a relationship with a band, and that connection because they're gone after because of the way the record labels are set up now, and the music industry is so disposable. Like Radiohead wouldn't 
exist now are REM. They wouldn't be given a five album deal or development deal or anything like that. Two singles in, uh, didn't work. On to the next one, you know, like Pablo Honey wasn't a financial success, but they, they stuck with them. And, and then it was only until it ends, obviously, and then subsequently did they really kick on. So I find the kind of the enemyization, going back to the libertines and all that bullshit with baby shambles, that it all became about magazine covers and quotes and the music became secondary. So as as such, I've kind of shied away. And considering I work, I present music. Now, not that I'm close to new music. I do get loads of... The Irish music seems, I would say, up there with the, the strongest it's been in about... I can't remember how long. Especially the hip-hop and the urban yeah. scene. is just... Out, it's heartening to see. And it's going to... You know, it's only going to get better and stronger. You know, so I do love listening... I love hearing Irish bands with something about them that's something different. And they're always so polite and lovely, and it's lovely to give them a little shout on my small little show. I give them a little boost and go listen. That's it. They're playing in Whelan's on thirteenth. It'd be eight euros in your pocket. Support local Irish music here at the Iron. Let me know what you think of it. Needless to say, they like. They do let me know what they think of it. A majority of it's it's very positive. But at the moment, I'm I'm reverting back, like like any old man, I suppose. You kind of revert back to some of my original. So I'm going through. Back to my REM, I'm, t- I'm massive REM tip, going through the albums one by one again, just in case I missed anything, I didn't. <laughs> but, like, re-examining Nirvana, some of the bands that were instrumental in my youth, there's a couple of Cure albums that I haven't... So, I haven't strayed too far from the tree. The acorn hasn't fallen too far from the tree, but I do try and open myself up to new kinds of music as well, you know, because I have to, because of the nature of my show, it is an alternative show that you can't cut yourself off from anything. You any, know, but you can't be a snob either. Any bands at the moment that you have your eye on? Irish-wise? Mm. Uh, I, I still can't... I'm, I still can't get past... The Reggie Snow album, to me... And I, I, people argue, is it an Irish album? It is an Irish album, because, you know, he speaks... It just really blew my mind as to the confidence and the slickness of it. You know, for many years, the the Irish music scene, you'd get a CD sent, there was four lads in Tullamore with one leg cocked against the wall, and they're all looking in one direction. And they're all called The Something. And, sorry now, if that one of you is in that band. <laughs> but it was always the same. It was very samey. Yeah. And it was all like, you know, we're four lads, you know, our influences are Pearl Jam and Rage Against the Machine and we like it with it. And you're going, all, all went good. But it was all became like white noise. But over the last couple of years, I think Bim has had a massive role to play in that. And... Um, so it's allowed kids to be creative and take chances and take influences from the likes of Drake, you know, and from Drake to Fleetwood Mac or whoever it is. Because when I was growing up, Fleetwood Mac were a dirty word. A dirty word. Like, rumours was like, oh. It was the antithesis of everything that was. Nether Tuesday, Like, Jesus Christ, one of the greatest bands of all time, you know. So mm. I think it's allowed... I, I, I would tend... I would, people use the word phrase, like, guilty pleasures. Oh, I'm going to play guilty pleasure tracks. Like, shut up. There's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. You know what I mean? You might, if you like Richie Kavanagh, or you like Count Basie, or you like, it doesn't matter, you like the Wiggles. If you like it, then what of it? You know, I don't think you should be ashamed of, <laughs> although I've given out about George Ezra. That's not his fault. No. It's it's our fault. He's a great songwriter and a great radio pop single purveyor. But that's not his fault that we play him. I, I, um, I work in a hotel yeah. uh, at the weekends. And we had a wedding week for last, and uh, like we were we were sitting inside, um, like it was a bit quiet, so we were you know just kicking away, 
and uh, sitting on our asses. Um, and he must have gone through, I'd say, half of George Ellis' mm. first staying at tomorrow's. Oh, yeah, just... yeah, he's huge, and you know, he's a nice lad by all accounts. But uh, just speaking of it, there's a band called Talus, uh, or a fellow called Talus. We got the album last week. Has a very unique sound, and there's something special, and magical. But now I'm a judge on the Choice Music Prize this year, so I've had to listen to loads. Some of my choices didn't make it, but that's just the nature of the business. But there's loads of great stuff out there, and especially again, everyone's saying it, and they're right. The hip hop scene from when I was when I was coming up, it didn't like to me. White Irish lads rapping just didn't sound natural. We actually had some hip hop artists on, yeah. uh, Tabby Rex. Yeah, but um, it's come on leaps and bounds from what yeah, it was when I was. Matt and Daffy are good friends of the show now. Uh, we had them on last October, and they're fantastic. Like Greg was a skeptic at first. Now I yeah. I was turned on to him by a I few friends from I college. I really listened to them a whole lot prior yeah. to the interview. Prior to the interview, and it was only after the interview, and you said that in the past month they're probably your most listened oh, to artists. Like definitely, they're my most. Yeah, and it's it's great that people are more open to it. I mean, there was a bag Messiah and the expert. I don't know they're before your time it's like they're coming back now again it was just a guy sampling brilliant DJ and a fella MCing two white Irish lads you've never seen in your life but the sounds they created were just so fresh so different compared to the the grungies and the you know the the navel gazing whiny and then there was the there was the <laughs> the swarm of men with feelings and guitars that you know would achingly tell you of their woes, and you go, Jesus Christ Almighty, shut up! So this is so I keep welcome. Thinking of picture this when you're mentioning this, like, yeah, <laughs> that you know, I just call out. Picture this. You know what? Listen, I, I I don't begrudge anyone their success. If people like them, I have no issue with picture this or the academic or the Coronas. They're all lovely lads, and they, as if if there's a market there to to buy their tickets, like picture this selling out the three arena for three nights running. Yeah, they are getting very popular. They actually Insane. gave you their new album. Like last week in, yeah. Yeah, in Manhattan. In, 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 on the Empire State Building. Yeah. Yeah. So like, good luck to them. Gavin James, whom I've met a few times, lovely, lovely fella. He's a pff- phenomenal pop songwriter. Like, if you listen to Always and he's like Cigarette Break now, Jesus Christ, it's up there. Anything that Sheeran's done and, you know, he works, he's, he, if you look at his tour schedule, it's breathtaking. Yeah, they know, they know exactly what their fans are looking for and they give them what? it. And there's, you know what, I'd rather have that than some absolute you know kind of almost bitter wank fest of what we you know there's a kind of a it's an exchange of ideas you know what what people want and here's what i here's my art i'm, I'm very cynical about people who take themselves take their art too seriously i'm all for people standing up for with their songs and trying to put it out there but you have to realize who you are and what you're saying it's not that you're not changing the world so just take a step back but you can make an impact you can make a difference by making people dance or reminding people of someone or whatnot you know so bands and singers that take themselves way too seriously we've had a lot of for the majority of people that come in here the ones that we'd have the bit of attitude are off new irish acts coming in you might have somebody who's number one in the charts who comes in the limousine sweetness and light because they know that they know themselves they know their place they're on top of the tree that's the ones you have to watch that have a little chip on their shoulder or trying to replace talent with attitude and that's something I w- would warn if word gets out very quick in this business it's very small Dublin specifically let's be honest it's based in Dublin that if someone's got a bit of a tune on them then it doesn't last doesn't end well for them for the most part but unless they have the tunes to back it up then but the majority don't just curious Ed what is your music setup like at home do you have a stereo I, system I have, I, I, have, I have a vinyl I have a vinyl player and two speakers on and a very old vintage 
1950s radio unit which has a, a record player in it. It's Oh, it's built. Yeah, it's a piano finish and I still have the price tag. It was sold in Middlesbrough for like seven shillings or whatever it was. And it was untouched on new, and I got it for like 250 euros. It's part of your antique collection. Yeah, yeah. Like My house a... is very small, so wherever you go, you'll see some form of. Um, <laughs> so I have loads of CDs, but as time goes on, I love Spotify, despite what I've said. And I can just put my phone on my soundbar onto my television. And I've had people back to have a few drinks, just hand the phone around. And that accessibility, instead of going, I think there's a certain fetishization, if that's a word, of vinyl, which mm-hmm. it kind of irks mm-hmm. me slightly. And of CDs, of the things people like to know. I know there's a beauty to having the wrapper and the and unboxing it and all that. That's all well and good. But I was ne- I never bought into that. You know, uh, some people like to have to, the completists would have to have the same album, the Japanese import and this, that and the other. It doesn't, that doesn't in- interest me. So I could easily get rid of all my CDs, apart from a couple, and make room for something of Probably more. Like, I, I don't, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> my sister hasn't broken it already. <laughs> but so I'm a massive fan of Spotify. I'm a mass, massive fan of the access it's given, and especially the Spotify radio where you pick you might pick Johnny Mitchell and you end up in Beirut, you know, and it it does take you on a, a wonderful trip of and introducing you to artists that you wouldn't normally have. Yeah. I found so many over. Yeah, yeah. and that's the joy. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you listen, then when I was on Louise, so Friday would be the big day for new release Friday, which is problematic in many ways because like it's all open up the gates and all the, you know, it's all the horses running at the same time on a Friday. It's unfair, but it's very handy from a radio point of view because you can just listen to one in one playlist. But there's artists there and I've opened up my brain and my heart to music that I wouldn't normally have you know I, I can be quite conservative and a little lazy if who's, truth be told who's caught your eye recently then that you might not have listened to otherwise uh, Mabel um, she's formed the Trinity Ball she's on she's yeah she's yeah. In the Trinity Ball uh, just love her Mahalia a lot of female artists coming out now that are really uh, that are very very strong guys there was an Icelandic group that I played Last Friday when I was covering for Louise, called Vogue, V-O, and then the two dots, umlaut, whatever in German, K. And they have a lovely kind of dreamy electro-pop sound that um, that was very different, but it kind of r- reminded me of something that I couldn't think of. And I, I kind of like that. It's kind of, mm, what is that? Not that they were kind of copying anyone, but there was there was something in that. So I'm going to go down that rabbit hole and see, you know. But again, they probably only have two songs. <laughs> you know, that's just the nature of the business now. They're already, you know. You know, you're hearing music of people that you know have only had one song before. So it was before you'd have like that five albums. And if you find that artist, like you get that excitement of like if they announce that they're going to be releasing new, new and there's music, an ownership. That build up, there's, yeah. own, there's a band called Sosumi, Sosumi from Korea. I got an, an email one night from a guy called George. It was like midnight. I'd finished the show and I was at home having a cup of tea as I normally do. And I said, I don't normally read emails from bands at this time. I said, Fuck! I'll just take a chance. There's a three a three piece punk group from from Korea. I was like, "Hello, what's this?" And I was listening with a kind of like, "Ah, this is going to be absolute. This is absolutely brilliant." They're called so soon. They're playing Dublin soon, actually, and I'm going to try and catch them if they haven't played already. Absolutely outrageously good. It really captured like it was fun, short, sharp, pop punk, which is my absolute joy. Anything that doesn't take itself too seriously gets to the message. Two and a half minute songs. They're from Korea. Not that that should prevent them from but it does add a certain kind of interesting twist to their story phenomenal phenomenal songs so watch out for them so they're called so sue me is that like i don't think uh what's her name in that blogger run no 
Ah, don't make me out now. <laughs> You've never uh, sounded older. So sue me. Oh, so sue me. That one. Yeah. yeah. Like, Is it say sue me? I'll, I'll find out and I'll, I'll let you yeah. know. But I listen. And I played them on the show, and they, they're actually coming. They emailed me saying we're coming to town. I was like, fuck. I must I must go down and check them out because I'd say they're electric live. And I've been watching some of their videos, and it's they met in a, in a cafe. So someone have to oh, overheard one of them say, "Well, can you play bass?" And they just formed a band. I love that. Yeah, and the next yeah, thing, this brilliant. amazing sound comes out, and no, they'll probably like a dragonfly last. Who knows? But you know, the the lifespan of bands now. That's what I was saying before. It's hard to get involved and uh, get attached to bands now because they're gone so quickly. So that you're gonna get a bit burned. So. But watch out for them and Talos, very good. The likes of uh, Mabel, I'm loving at the moment, and Voke. Okay. If that doesn't make me sound too wanky. And listen to Dolly Parton, lads. Go back to Dolly Parton. Okay. <laughs> Ed, how else do you rewind or unwind uh, when you get home? Uh, how do I unwind? I would tend to. I, I look at Twitter a lot. I. <laughs> I'm a big football fan, so if there's any match, by the time I get home, match of the day two will have recorded, or might be on live actually that time. So I'll watch match of the day one, because I would have missed that on Saturday, because it might be out, and I'll watch the two of them. So I do Could like you support? Spurs, yeah. So that's <coughs> that's why I put all my anguish into my music <laughs> choices. But uh, I, 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 the normal stuff, I read a lot, and I, I watch a lot of Netflix. Nothing of any, like I don't do any mountain climbing or. Uh, I spend a lot of time on the phone with my friends. A couple of nights a week, we'd spend an hour or two each. Very good. Just the simple pleasures. The simple pleasure. I love tea. Yeah. Uh, how, do ta- how do you take your tea? I take my Barry's tea with one sugar, very strong. Okay. As Paul McLoon said, when he, Paul McLoon, when I first started working with Paul, <laughs> Paul has never turned down a cup of tea. <laughs> He's never. I'm going to go into he could be in the middle, this and be like, He Paul. could be in the middle of interviewing Paul McCartney, and he'd say, Paul, I, I love a cup of tea. So I remember saying to him, like, Paul, do you want a cup of tea? I said, how, how do you like it? I didn't know him that way. He goes, I don't know if I can say this. Uh, yeah, Gandhi coloured. And I, and I knew exactly what he meant. <laughs> I was like, what? You, yeah. you can't say, oh, fuck, it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gandhi coloured. And he didn't mean it. It was just, like, he's just got such a beautiful way of words. Uh, yeah, Gandhi coloured. And I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> that is perfect. And I brought it down and there he goes. Mm, that'll do. <laughs> That's the wee man's face in the morning. But uh, that's it, really. You know, I don't. I try to go. I've, 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 as as time's gone on, gigs for me I find it a little stressful because of the talking, and I became I become a little self aware of where I am at gigs now because it kind of gets in the way. But I try to go as to as many as I can. What was your most recent gig? Jesus, I can't remember. How was that for you? We'll tell you about our experience last night. <laughs> while, while you have a thing. We well, went to uh, the academy last night for Hippocampus. All right. Yeah, we had a great time. Yeah, very good. Yeah. I knew one song going into it. Um, the boys are mad into them, but yeah, I really enjoyed them. I have the to Colin, say, Colin they was one hundred percent sober as well. Yeah. yeah, but I've been off the booze now for for seven weeks. Oh wow! So I've been I've been avoiding. That's why I can't remember. It's been it was like it was last year because I DJ in Whelan's. Mm-hmm. I would tend to sneak in. Was it? What's your man's name? David. Um, Oh my God, this is terrible. I can't remember. The Irish singer-songwriter from Dundalk. I'll think of it. But I, I would tend to sneak in. Not sneak in because I'm getting in for free anyway. But I'm on at half ten. I'll get in around half nine and get an hour of the band. Mm. And the Vagabonds were on. They were a good crack, actually. And then the Christians run. So you get most random. You don't know who's coming in. I don't like to know. It's just walking and go, oh my God, it's so-and-so. So because I'm off the booze, I'm avoiding any... Uh, 
situation. I know we were supposed to meet in Pmax, but I changed it because if I get into Pmax, it's um, it can end badly. So I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to where the night takes try to minimize my exposure to temptations. So, what, what would be your tipple of choice? Gin and tonics. But again, to sound like the, the hipster wanker, I most likely am. But, I'm going to say Hendrix. No, but I was drinking gin and tonics. I was drinking gin and tonics in the night. Like, in, in Irish, I, I speak mocked roundly for my gin and tonic uh, drinking. What are you, not your fool? When are you going to bingo out? Wow! And now look at them. Paying 11 euros for a massive bowl. I, uh, Those mainstream bastards. Yeah, yeah, there's a lovely one from um, Jackford Gin from Wexford. It's made out of made from potatoes. Okay. I love dingle. And uh, the Pmax gin and tonics are absolutely mind blowing. Now they're eleven euros a pop, whatever. Nine between nine and eleven euros, but they're worth it. What what what's so special? About it? I just love I love the I love, you know what it is? I love the circus and the drama of the bowl and all the fruit, and I love the fact that I can. You know, you're a barman's nightmare. For for better or worse, I'll just go into my local and go just, Anto in Walsh's and so about the best pub in Dublin, and I go, Ed, what do you have? I'm a gin tonic. He looks at me and I go. One of your fancy ones there, yeah. <laughs> and you go, oh, fuck's sake! So he throws in strawberries and fucking thing and whatever, and I'm like, ah. so I do love gin and tonics, and I, the things I can drink, but I can drink them and not get. But if I'm on the pints, it tends to hit me a bit quicker. So gin Same and call. tonics, huh? Same call, over. Same yeah, yeah, yeah. Same but then you know, there's only so much you can afford gin and tonics. You have to celebrate there on eighty quid. You're gone, but or else I do like a bit of hot house. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I've kind of I don't get in buy into this craft beer. No. I think it's a lot of talk and they don't taste that nice. No, they don't. The majority don't. of them. And I think people, you know, my, my friends are big into them, but I think it's a lot of fucking posturing and I don't think you can tell the difference. I think Hop House is a fine beer, but I'd, if you give me the Monk's Ball Sack from Belgium, it's 8.3% and it smells like wet dog and it's brewed <laughs> and you go, and it does, it's it's horrific and it's nine euros a bottle. You're going... Yeah, but I do understand. No, I, I, I do understand. I'll have a pint of Carlsberg, please. Thank you very much. So I don't, much as I am with my music, the same as I am with my music. I don't, I don't buy into all the bullshit. So I just. I have uh, a nice, um, but sorry, a leash gin for you. Oh yeah, it's, it's only literally up the road for me. Uh, Brennan's Botanical Gin. Oh, it's very nice. Very it comes nice. In the old, um, like the old clay bottles. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Yeah, it comes like that. Uh, it's sealed with wax on the top. Gorgeous. Yeah, Brennan's. Like Brennan's yeah. botanical gin. John Shambo's nice as well. John yeah, is nice. nice. I think a lot of it though is it boils down to the tonic. Uh, yeah, it's only as nice as. Um, there's a place called um, Listoke outside Drogheda. My girlfriend brought me for a trip, where you make your own gin and you can stay the night. Oh. So they give you a three-hour class, and you make it. They bottle your own gin. They give you food. If any of you are looking for anything different to do, okay, go up to Listoke and the gin they made us outstanding it lasted about a week I was supposed to keep it for a special occasion <laughs> that a special occasion turned out to be Saturday <laughs> <laughs> so it's all gone but anyway to oh, can't we've, we've ended up in gin that's always the, the end. why do we always end back here yeah it seems to be the circular ma- matter of things is there anything else now that's like can help well, is, was there anything that uh, I suppose brought about the the your choice to go off alcohol for I think it was it got to a stage where over Christmas I had one or two nights out uh Whilst I don't drink in the house by myself, I don't see the point. I don't drink for the taste or mm-hmm. I'd rather have... It's the social aspect. Yeah. So what was happening was what has happened over the years, I'm, I'd be last man standing. I can, I can go from, from five to five. Okay. You know, so... And it wasn't doing me any good health-wise. And it wasn't doing me any good mental health-wise. Mm-hmm. 
So I had a couple of instances, not instances to make them sound like they were, but I had a couple of nights out over the Christmas where I felt the next day, no, the next afternoon, in fact, that I was like, this needs to, yeah. I need to just give this a rest now. I'm making a, you know, this is the, mm-hmm. the actions of a man 15 years younger and three stone lighter than I am. So I just said, I'm going to give it a go. So it was only supposed to be for January, but I'm going to go as far as March if I can. Mm-hmm. I feel, I feel phenomenal. Patrick's Day? Uh, we're actually, I'm going to be in Dubai for Patrick's Day. Oh, you're going to have to. So to not drink would be, I think, sacrilegious. And also for my mental health, I'm going to have to drink to get through that because mm-hmm. it's, okay, it's, I mean, it's, it's madness over there. That's the deal I've done with myself. But I, f- I find I'm much sharper and much better place. I lost a few pounds of that. That's, it's immaterial, but I'm sleeping much better and much better form and I'm much sharper uh, mentally. So it's all good, but I do miss it. I would break one of your necks for a drun shambo and an elderflower tonic right now. Make it Greg's. Yeah, make it Greg's, yeah. That's right, yeah. Well, so I'm I, the only Byron here. So. Oh, yeah, very good, yeah. Maybe the other so two. You're going to abseil out the window straight into PMAX. Just swing in. <laughs> but no, I, I don't miss it. I, the thing is, I, I don't have much of the FOMO. I, I suffer terribly from FOMO. If I think people are out having the crack and I'm missing it, but I don't, I've been able to balance that out with not missing the hangovers or the regret that you'd have the next day. And the money as well. I've had a few yeah, I can really relate now with oh, the Christmas period. Like, um, I put myself on a self imposed drinking ban yeah. from last. Like I, I'll definitely go back to we, it. But we I went know. out uh, last Tuesday night and I had a, a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> Do you really want to? I'm not going to go into detail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. I'm not going to go into detail, but I had I'll a bit of a nightmare. Coppers. <laughs> oh. I actually did end up in coppers somehow, but <laughs> I, don't rem- don't I don't remember any of it. Um, he didn't actually believe us that he was in coppers until he seen stamp see on the his stamp wrist. There you go. So they're the nice you. The nice you can't remember the ones you want to forget. Yeah, so and I, I had the yeah. case of the fear for like the next two days. That's it, yeah. And you get older, like I'm 43 this year and I think that the f- the fear, that monkey on your back, he, he clings on that bit longer and he digs his nails in that bit deeper and you just can't, the recovery period, and it's, it's genuinely, like I, could, I would have spent thousands last year, thousands of euros on booze if you think of all the nights went out. Yeah. It's minimum it 70, up, 70 yeah. 80. So maybe four times so thousands of euros and I can probably name three maybe five nights in one hand that I can remember that were any of any the rest is just yeah like I said like we went out last night the boys obviously had a couple of drinks to relax themselves whatever I stayed sober and I still had a great night so yeah no I'm not saying I'll never go back to it no, I do miss the looseness that comes with it yeah, and the giddiness the giddiness exactly and you kind of you, you know you, it's a great way to unwind and unfurl your body and your soul to kind of just go ah and to forget things and to remember things more so and to be able to talk to people more honestly and to be able to listen better and all that kind of shit. But then, it's when you go, I wasn't able to go past, I wasn't able to stop beyond when I should have gone home. Yeah. Whereas I'd be like a werewolf going, come on, let's keep going. <laughs> and we'd end up in all kinds of scenarios that... Uh, so like everything in moderation. Yeah, but it's okay to have... You know, I don't mind. I, I'm not going to rule it out now that I'm going to have an absolute blaster when I do go back on it. But then I'm going to die back down and just for a couple of weeks and then... I know it's in me. It's it's it's, a, it's in me. It'll, it'll never go away, you know, because I don't. I wouldn't even watch a bit of football. I'm really. I wouldn't have a bottle of beer. I was like, oh, boring. Or someone might say to we'll go for one. No, no. Rather going for twelve, <laughs> or I'm not interested. And that was a problem. So I wouldn't be able to just go get three in. I'm like, we're out for the night. I might have a meeting in the morning, and all that goes away because that just takes over the need to keep going. So I had to put a stop to myself. Before it put a stop to me. There's a tagline um, never free. 
three guests living or dead that you'd invite to a dinner party? Uh, Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. Straight up. Uh, from a radio point of view. Oh, living or dead. This is a great one. Actually, I'd have, I'd have to invite Elvis. Uh, I'd have to invite Elvis now. I want to try and curve, throw a curveball. Is this from any... Oh, yeah. Anything. Any, any, anything whatsoever. Um, Realise it's a bit of a loaded question. Like, there's a lot out there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, but I think it's just uh, Dolly and Elvis. I think it's probably... I'm going to take one. So I'll t- definitely take Dolly. Who's living? Who's living? Uh, I'd like to... Uh, Michael Stipe, just because... Just so I can lick his face and thank him and all the rest of it. I'm a big comedy fan. So if I could invite some fictional character, it would be Alan Partridge. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I think Partridge, above all, really, uh, would bring a certain <laughs> certain energy to the room that I would greatly... So I, again, I'd put Chris Morris. If I could put Chris Morris in there, I know I'm only going to get three. But I think Alan Partridge would be my number one on my, on my guest list, yeah. I will, will accept it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we'll I even have a photograph it. of him on my desk. So, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Any, any last questions, Klaus? Uh Ed, we end every show by asking our guests any advice you can give or what's the best advice that's been imparted on to yourself? The advice I'd give, which I learned myself, so this is copyright Ed Smith, <laughs> is if you're trying to get into radio, um, is to listen to it. It's to listen to all kinds of radio and listen to the shows you like and make a note of why you like them. And why you like that particular presenter? What is it about them? And also to listen to the shows you hate. And what is it that that puts the hairs on your on, on your arms up? And what what gets your hackles up? And try not to do that, you know. And then again, by listen to and list read the papers, keep up to date on current affairs, not to any great depth, or and current, and pop culture and all that. And if you're into music or into sport, but just know and know about the world around you and listen to as much radio as you can uh, because unwittingly, unconsciously, a lot of that's going in and once you have a style that you like, try and use that to kind of create your own voice. Like any great musician, they're only standing on the shoulders of the giants that have gone before them. So find your giant and climb on their shoulders. Yeah. Brilliant. I think that's a lovely way to say yeah. it. Yeah, fantastic. It's certainly t- awful that we have to hear Colin's voice to bring us back out. Eh? Like... <laughs> Lads, let's go for gins. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> well, no, let's say, let's say, oh, in that case, let, let's let Ed bring us out then. Oh. Ed. We're bringing us out where? Where are we going to coppers? Outro of the podcast. What's the podcast called again? Sorry. In Conversation. Sorry, there you go. This is Ed Smith signing out of In Conversation by closing conversation with the three lads. It's been an absolute joy. And you can tune in to me live on Today FM from 7 for Ain't Songs of Praise.